0: In this episode of Upward Calling, we talk about the hope we have in God. Welcome to Upward Calling. We help Christians develop a relationship with God by talking with University Church of Christ evangelist Josh Creel and Dr. Kenny Embry. Listen as we take a deeper dive on a lesson from a recent Sunday service and help you apply it Monday through Saturday. How are you doing, Josh?
1: Kenny, I'm doing great. Uh, it's a little bit earlier in the morning than you and I normally record, but it's not by no means early. I think both of us have been up and at it for a little while.
0: I saw you drinking your chocolate milk.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I wish it tasted like chocolate milk.
0: <laughs> well, last time, I'm not exactly sure what, what you would you would entitle your lesson. There was
1: no title. There was no lesson. There was no outline. So there you go.
0: What are the first assertions that you made? That You talked about really kind of being faithful in, in tough times. Josh, are these tough times?
1: I'm talking to you, aren't I?
0: <laughs> well, thanks. I appreciate that.
1: Tough times have, have always been around. I mean, all you have to do is talk to the previous generation and they will tell you about their tough times. Uh, we tell our kids about our tough times. Uh, our kids are going to tell their kids about the tough times they had, and we're going to laugh and think, what are you talking about? <laughs> uh, there's certainly tough times, and, and we we are want to define those tough times by the external circumstances of the world around us, and that certainly is, is true. But the tough times that, that Paul is dealing with um, are not just about, you know, external things like war or economics. It's about the hearts of men mm-hmm. and what Paul was defining for Timothy there in second in Timothy chapter three about what men are as they depart from God and as they move further away from God. And, and Paul was telling Timothy, you're seeing that now you're going to see it more. And, we we continue to see it, and of course, you know, Paul goes on to say that you know men were going to go from bad to worse, uh, deceiving and being deceived. So it's not shocking that that we look at you know the the morality of mankind, and as we go through life, it seems like that's getting worse. It is, Paul said, it is, and those are the tough times, if you will, that that Paul was saying to Timothy. Here is what um, you know you're going to experience.
0: It seemed to me that that what you were talking about was hope and and that hope is one of those things that Christians need to kind of fixate on, uh, especially during tough times. So why don't you do this for me? Tell me, what is hope and how is it different than faith? That's a that's a really
1: good question because the two are, you know, intricately linked. You know, 1st Corinthians 13 makes that clear to us as well. You know, these three abide faith hope and love the greatest of these is love. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the the there's a connection between those three. For the purpose of, of the lesson that I was giving uh, on Sunday, and, and again, not necessarily a lesson, more just kind of things I'd been mulling over and and circumstances kind of dictated it. The, the men that I described, and particularly some of the, the older men of our congregation, Brother Owen, uh, Brother Bill Sullivan, their faith was tied to the hope. And, and the hope that they exuded and, and they continue to exude in their life, um, that as, as, as difficult as the world is, as, as bad as the world may seem, we have hope. Our faith is tied to that. We trust God that God's going to keep his word. Therefore, we're assured of hope that we, you know, there is something that's going to transcend this life. And even though death is here and death has taken Brother Sullivan, uh, old age and and, and infirmities and disease are here and they've affected, you know, so many of, of our number, yet hope is still there. And so, you know, faith is, you know, for, for put it very simple terms, faith is our trust in God. And the reason for that trust in God is God's faithfulness. That faith then translates into hope. If God is faithful and he has made these promises to us, we can know he's going to keep those promises. So we live in hope. God is going to do what he has said he would do.
0: Now, you see, I expected you to go to that desire plus expectation to talk about hope. But I, I think one of the things that you're really kind of, kind of talking about there is, is that you, I know this was in the question, but but you were talking about the relationship between faith and hope, and that, that trust is really kind of implicit in both of those things. Explain this to me. Do you think it's fair to call hope at least partially an expectation, and if so— uh, what about that expectation is something that that Christians need to really anchor onto?
1: Yeah, that that's um, that the Hebrew writer makes that point. You know that this hope this is is an anchor, um, and you've probably heard, I've heard, and, and I found this to be true that that word as translated in the in the New Testament does carry with it expectation. It's not how. Uh, again, you know, Kenny, you're, you're a professor. Uh, you you have students who, you know, take uh, quizzes and, and tests in your class. They may never study and they approach that exam and say, I hope I get a good grade. There is no expectation there. How could there be? <laughs> There's been no preparation on their part. Right. So we say these things, you know, someone goes into a Seven Eleven, buys a scratch off, I hope I win the lottery. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, that's a really sad definition of hope because there should be no expectation that you're going to win anything mm-hmm. uh, because the, the odds are against you. Hope, based on God's faithfulness, though, carries with it expectation. And that's, that's again, to, to the point that Brother Sullivan was making to me and, and even yeah. how he wanted yeah. me to approach his funeral. Let people know that I have assurance That this is hope. I have expectation. And it's not based on my living my life perfectly because I haven't. I've put my faith in God. I'm trying to follow Him. And I have every expectation that God is going to do what He promised. Mm -hmm. And, And so that's how hope anchors us. And of course, to the Hebrew writer's point, how all this ties in together is it's anchored there because Jesus is in the presence of God. He is the one who's anchoring it there. He's our high priest. He is covering our shortcomings. He is uh, you know, making uh, petitions on our behalf. That's how we have this assurance, and our hope is assured.
0: You also talked about one-sided relationships and how those relationships are often anchors for our hope.
1: Who have been some of those anchors for you? There have been so many, Kenny, so many, and I am, I am thankful for that. You know, I grew up in a in a small congregation, um, certainly much much smaller than you know what university is, mm-hmm. and um, you know. There, there are benefits to that. There are benefits to, to large congregations. You know, large congregations, you, you can get momentum and that momentum can kind of sustain and a lot of things can be accomplished. And yet in that, in those smaller congregations, you, you do maybe have some more intimacy and, 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 you know, closer relationships and, and young and old are kind of thrust together. You know, Mm -hmm. you don't have a large peer group. I am very thankful that my kids do have a large peer group, but, in a smaller group, um, you know, I, I, got to know some of the, the older members of our congregation. There was a sister in our congregation by the name of Jean Phillips. She taught my, um, elementary school Bible class and would write me letters whenever I was in college, just, you know, telling me that she was thinking about me and telling me that, you know, she's proud of me. And, and, you know, just, I, I will forever remember Jean Phillips and I have told Christians, you know, Far and wide about Jean Phillips because I, I've used her as illustrations in sermons because that is what she meant to me as a as a boy and as a young man growing up. Uh, I've I've had um, you know people that are are better known, you know Robert and Arlene Harkrider, who uh, as far as is in Churches of Christ, they're they're well known. But I, I moved to. To South Bumby in Orlando when I was 26 years old, uh, Brother Harkrider I think was turning uh, 65 whenever I moved there. So there's wow. a, quite a, an age gap there. Yet yeah, he never treated me as a junior preacher. He never treated me as a junior anything. He he viewed me as a coworker and as a colleague and and helped me um, and just and again. So people that are completely unknown, people that are very well known. And yet across the board in my life, I've just found these people that have taken an interest in me Mm -hmm. and it has meant so much. I I, I try not to make it one side, you know, I try to, you know, do what I can and to encourage them. But I also know that what they want for me to do is not necessarily to repay them. They want me to pass that on. They want me to do that for other people.
0: Yeah. And uh, which leads to my next question. I mean, One of the things that you've talked about, uh, uh, just make the observation there, that the people that you're talking about as having these one sided relationships are largely older than you are.
1: Yeah, a lot of times. uh, But by the way, Kenny, I mean, this is a conversation.
0: Why don't you share one of yours? Oh, people who have meant something to me? Sure. My goodness. I I can think of so many people who have... (laughs) Uh, I, I can think of a lot of people who have meant something to me. I remember... Growing up, there was a guy named Wendell Strickland that nobody knows anymore. But he and his his, his brother Tubbs, uh, they were they went out to Antioch uh, Church of Christ, which is a smaller congregation in town. And Wendell and Tubbs owned a bunch of orange groves. and And he told me, if you ever want oranges, make sure you park the car about about halfway down, so nobody sees you getting them. But he said they're mine, so you can go get some. But the thing about Wendell that I always appreciated. He was in a hard marriage. And one of the things, his, his, his wife was not a Christian. And I remember asking Wendell to come into our class one day and to talk to us about his marriage. And you talk about a man who, who was, he, he, he really impressed upon me the importance of choosing a spouse. And he also impressed me with some of the decisions that he made that just, he was an impressive man. Uh, again, when I knew him, he was in his seventies or eighties, which seems younger and younger the older I get but he was he was just somebody who meant a lot to me. I can think of phil Roberts like I can think of a lot of people that that meant so much to me as I started figuring out my own christianity i'm I'm not going to rhapsodize anymore about that, yeah, but,
1: but I think that, I think there's a point here because it is those older those older saints who are able to do this for, for younger saints. And there are, there are responsibilities on on both parties. And I know we're, you know, we're about to talk about how we can do this. So there there needs to be a willingness on my part to try to um, set an example for, or take under my wing and mentor those who are younger than me. But Kenny, you and I, you know, we we've lived and we've seen our peers, Who maybe had some of the same opportunities to to form those kind of relationships, and yet they did not. Mm -hmm. Uh, So there's a responsibility that you and I had to to spend the time to allow those people in our lives to to enter our lives and and to be a part of it. Um, And and, you know, thank God that that you and I were were able to do that. We we did that. But you know, there's there's responsibility on both sides here
0: yeah, I agree. I am just going to, how do you think you mindfully actually become one of these anchors to somebody?
1: Yeah. I think you can look again at this text that we looked at in uh, 2 Timothy 3 and, and 4, and, and there's the two aspects of, you know, there's the the allowing God to mold us into the people that he wants us to be, um, you know, and the and, and, to, to Paul's point, you know, the scripture provides this, the, the spirit uh, provides this. Um, but there's also the the walking in the footprints of those who went before us. Mm-hmm. And that's what Paul is trying to get Timothy and others to do. You know, the, he famously said in 1 Corinthians 11 and verse 1, imitate me as I imitate Christ. That's what he's calling Timothy to do. You know, he he tells Timothy in 2 Timothy 2 and verse 2 that, you know, what he had passed down to Timothy, the teaching, you know, he needs to pass down to others so that they can then teach others as well. So there's this traditional aspect, but this following along uh, and passing down over time these lessons. Well, certainly the scripture needs to be passed down, but so does the way in which we live. And, And so... You know, there's no easy ways. There's no shortcuts. It's just take a moment and think about how is it that people impacted your life. Now go and try to do the same thing. <laughs> that's 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 what it is.
0: Yeah, I I guess the only thing that I would add is, I think most of us are thinking about grand gestures and the people who who made the most some of the most significant impacts in my life never gave the grand gesture. They, you know, they might've taken me out for coffee, but, but probably not. Probably what they did instead was, Oh, they gave me some encouragement. Uh, they, they helped me solve a problem. Um, <laughs> they kindly told me when I was being an idiot. <clears throat> I mean, these, these were again, not grand gestures. Uh they were just basically doing a kindness for me that made a, a bigger impression on me than I think they know. Does that make sense? Absolutely.
1: Okay. Yeah, and yeah, uh, I agree. It's not the it's not the grand gestures. It's the it's the consistency. It's the this person's there. Yeah. Uh, this person, you know, speaks to me at worship. This person uh, takes an interest in me. You know, I'm. I'm I don't know if he'd even want me to mention his name. There's a brother at our congregation. You can just about go to any kids' sporting event, and he will be there. <laughs> and and these kids, it makes an impression on them. Yeah, they they know this brother. It's Mike Quick, by the way. Okay. Uh, they know this brother. It, you know, is has if he's not there, he's trying to. He's going to make one of the games. You know, he was talking to me last night. Hey, when's Jared's next, uh, um, you know, home game? When the you know for the marching band. You know, it's just it's that kind of thing. It's, it's the consistency of of presence in life?
0: Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Well, you never said this in in the sermon outright, but but I think what you're really talking about is spiritual family. What's important about being in a family like this?
1: Well, there's all kinds of ways in which we can we can take this. But if there was one thing that just kind of you know was, I guess, impressed upon me the week leading up to, to Sunday, it was just the the lasting impact that this kind of family has. Again, I, I had been in a meeting. Uh, a longtime friend was at that church and it just got me thinking about how again that the, the man's only 7 years older than me but when you're 11 and he's 18 that's a pretty that's a pretty huge difference yeah and yet he he expressed interest in me he helped me along the way he was consistent and and now i'm in my 40s and yet i've got older men in their 70s and even 90s who are still trying to help me along. That 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 lifetime of having people who are are there to help you, uh, and even as you know, in my physical family, I don't have nearly, you know, the the number of physical family left. My grandparents are gone; they've been gone a long time. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I hope and pray my my parents will be here for you know many more years, but that's not a guarantee. But this spiritual family's not going anywhere. Right. Yes, there there are members who who pass on, but the spiritual family is still there. Right, and and that's a that's a great blessing that God's given us.
0: Yeah, <clears throat> that makes sense to me. I yeah, I, I think I, I you know this. I like the metaphor of the family. I, I think the metaphor of the family you recognize that there are people that you love that you don't always see eye to eye with, that, that there are some things that (laughs) during Thanksgiving you don't bring up some topics. You just don't, just don't broach. Uh, But, but there's, there's an underlying love there. And I I think that's with good spiritual family, it's the same thing. We know there's some things that, that, that divide us, but we know we know there are more important things that unite us. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Okay. Well, do you know what you're going to be talking about next time? So
1: I was asked a question recently uh, by one of our, our young ladies. Um, she was asking for a book recommendation because she she works with someone who is religious but does not know and does not necessarily think that christianity is the way in which you should live you know that 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 is the answer and that is the religion that one should follow mm-hmm. uh so that this person is agnostic from from that standpoint not against christianity but not necessarily for christianity either and so i want to kind of do a um I guess it's an evidences type lesson although it's not going to go into science or, you know, historical uh, artifacts, but just kind of look at a uh, almost like a, a theological reasoning about why why Jesus is the one that we should follow. That that you know, why even compared to, you know, other religious teachings, why Jesus and following Jesus makes the more, most sense. Um, so I'm, I'm still working on that one, but, uh, that's, that's where I'm looking at right now.
0: Okay. Well, that sounds good. Well, I, (laughs) I love the study of apologetics. So whatever, if you're going to call this apologetics light, I'm looking forward to it.
1: All right. Thanks brother.
0: Thanks for listening. If you'd like to get to know us more, you're welcome to watch a live stream service or join us in person at the university church of Christ in Tampa, Florida. The sermon we referenced in this episode is in the show notes. We have all of our information at universitychurchofchrist.org. Until next time, God bless you in your walk with God.